Welcome on into CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey here with you on this Thursday evening. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your night right here. Of course, on CBS Sports Radio. If you are missing out on the Thursday night game to listen to us, number one, thank you. Number two, I promise you, you're not missing out on much. 10-3 right now, Panthers over the Bears. 13 minutes ago here in the second quarter, only touchdown was a 79-yard punt return for a score by Carolina. Offenses, Bryce Young's looked okay, moved the ball a little bit. Tyson Bagent looking like you would expect an undrafted rookie to look right now after getting a few starts and kind of the book out on him. Bears offense is really doing nothing whatsoever. So it's been a low-scoring game. It's been a tight offensive game, to say the least, right now. And that's where we are. Again, 13 minutes ago here in the second quarter, live from Chicago, 10-3. Panthers over the Bears. Don't you worry. We got you covered all game long right here on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go to college football. Biggest story in college football, right, is the Michigan cheating scandal. And now it seems we are going to get some sort of answer on if there will be a punishment for Michigan and what that punishment could look like here in the near future. One of the reports of what a punishment could look like is a suspension of Jim Harbaugh. I don't think suspending Jim Harbaugh is enough of a punishment for Michigan. I really think the only sufficient penalty that warrants the crime they committed is banning them from the college football playoff. Like, let me ask you this. How does suspending Jim Harbaugh actually negatively impact the Wolverines on game day? Like, he's not the play caller. He's more of a CEO. So outside of, oh, to go for it, to punt, which you can kind of, you know, give your strategy and philosophy to an assistant coach before the game anyway, what is Jim Harbaugh really doing to affect the outcome of games on Saturday? I think very little. And so if you remove the head coach from the sideline, how much are you actually punishing Michigan when his role on game day is not that drastic anyway? Like, not that important anyway. I don't really see how that punishes Michigan or makes the playing field level. Like, look, perfect example is this. Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban are similar coaches, meaning they don't call plays. They're more of the overseer, the CEO. Nick Saban missed one game in his illustrious career because of COVID, unfortunately, back in 2020. Alabama's rivalry week against Auburn, the Iron Bowl. Saban did not coach. You would think the greatest coach in college football, him not being there, Alabama, if even how tight run they are, would be a mess, right? Would have some hiccups, would maybe struggle, would have the coaches kind of running around like chickens with their head cut off and be disorganized. They beat Auburn, their hated rival, 42-13. No Nick Saban, no problem. So if the greatest head coach in college football history, not being on the sideline has no impact on his team's ability to win or lose on Saturday, how does suspending Jim Harbaugh really punish Michigan? I think the two biggest things Harbaugh does for this program in terms of why right now Michigan is at their level, recruiting, coaching hires. But that's really, from his perspective, the two biggest areas he can influence the most from season to season. 
Both of those things happen in the offseason. Like Saturday, Jim Harbaugh's not pushing magical buttons, and that's why Michigan is winning all these games. You take off the sideline, I don't think it really impacts or has the intended outcome the Big Ten or even the NCAA thinks it could. I think part of the responsibility here in handing out this punishment is trying to prevent any copycats. But in order to, you know, excuse me, I got this damn cough that has been around for three weeks. I can't shake it. It still pops up at the most inopportune times. So my apologies. I'm trying to work through it here. Your patience with that would be greatly appreciated. Okay. Now what we're saying. Um, Part of what the Big Ten and the NCAA, I think, have to do here is not only punish Michigan fairly, but also de-incentivize cheating going forward. You have to make this punishment so harsh that no coach thinks it's worth it uh, again. And I think that that punishment is banning Michigan from the college football playoff. You take away a chance to win a national title, which is what every single coach is coaching for every single year, you really hit them where it hurts. You really then have coaches question, is this worth it? Is cheating to know what the plays are and winning more games because of it, is that worth the possible punishment of if we get caught, well, we're not going to have a chance to win a national title. I would be shocked if any coach says, yeah, that risk is worth the reward. I don't think so. That's how you de-incentivize cheating and prevent it from coming now widespread or prevent other teams from basically being like, oh, that's all Michigan got? Hell, let's do the same thing. Let's be a little bit more covert. Let's be a little bit more discreet, but screw it. NCAA is not going to do anything to us. It's worth it. You can't have any copycats. And that's why I think if you're the NCAA, you slam down the book at Michigan and you ban them from the college football playoff. And part of the reason why I think I could say that so definitively at this point is we got to use common sense here. Like at this point, we need common sense to prevail. Look at all the facts here. We got to stop pretending like Michigan is innocent. We got to stop pretending like this was just some rogue employee doing this on his own and that Jim Harbaugh had no idea what was going on. The facts are this. Connor Stallions made $55,000. Why that's relevant is, well, he allegedly spent, and we have receipts of it, so it's not even allegedly anymore. We know he spent thousands of dollars in tickets and travel and lodging to have people go to games for him, sit in the seats he bought, and film the other sideline of the team he won and filmed. I know what it's like to make $55,000. It's not a lot of money. And I'll tell you this right now. Between rent and food... I don't have, and I'm sure he doesn't have, thousands of dollars just lying around to give to people to go film games in stadiums for him so he can help get Michigan an advantage and not get the money paid back. There's no way. You're not making any money whatsoever. That paycheck is not enough to have a livable life and also shell out thousands of dollars without getting paid back by Michigan to do what he was doing. So you have that fact. You have the receipts that we have, the transactions from Venmo and from the ticket websites of him buying tickets in his name. We have stadium surveillance 
in the stadiums where, obviously, stadium surveillance in the stadiums, duh. Way to be repetitive, Ryan. We have stadium surveillance videos of people in the seats Stallions bought with their phones out recording the sideline the entire time. I'm a sports fan. You're a sports fan listening. Do you ever go to games and just sit there the entire time with your phone recording the other sideline? No. That's not normal fan behavior. Video of that. We also have video of Stallions on game day. Remember, as his title as a recruiting staffer, so not even involved in game day operations, we have video of Stallions in the hip pocket of Jim Harbaugh, the offense coordinator for Michigan, and the defense coordinator. Why would a recruiting staffer be next to the head coach when they were playing Ohio State if he had nothing to do with this or Michigan was innocent? It's not just happenstance. You don't just let anyone on the sidelines, let alone stand that close to the head coach in such a big game. So can we honestly look at all these facts and say Michigan cheated? I mean, hell, Connor Stallions resigned and is not cooperating with the NCAA. What we learned now from his big Michigan manifesto document he published or had, you know, saved on his computer was his ultimate goal was to be the Michigan football head coach. That was his dream. Last time I checked, I don't think anyone is giving up on their lifelong dream and resigning from a position that at least allowed them to work their way up to to get the career they, they aspire for, that they're working their entire life for, if the allegations were not true. Right? You're not retiring from a path that leads you to your dream job if what you were being accused of doing was false. And you're also not cooperating because Stallions knows that if he says anything, if he opens his mouth... He's implicating Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the football program. So that's why when the NCAA came knocking, when the Big Ten came knocking, what did he do? I'm not talking. You on my computer? No way. You all any, any, ask me questions? No way. Get lost. I give him credit for going down with the ship and not taking anyone with him. But he's not cooperating because he knows if he has to talk, Michigan is screwed. So let's stop with this charade of, did Michigan really cheat? Do we know the facts? Common sense is enough. Look at all these facts that we know. This is not a courtroom. This is college football. We can conclude Michigan cheated and Jim Harbaugh knew. And that is why, for me, I feel very comfortable and confident saying Michigan should not be allowed to participate in the college football playoff. No one could tell me Michigan didn't cheat. And no one could tell me Jim Harbaugh didn't know. I mean, you know, even Michigan knows they cheated. I want to read you their, their very brief statement here. They put out a statement, a response, a rebuttal, if you will, to the Big Ten, urging them to not hand down punishment until this entire NCAA investigation is completed, which, as we know, being college football fans, is not going to be for months, maybe years. Well after this 2023 season has concluded. I want to read you part of Michigan's 
explanation, defense, if you will, written by lawyers as to why Michigan should not be punished. Read this again. This is Michigan to the Big Ten, why they should not be punished. Quote, it is highly dubious that a junior analyst's observations about the other side's signals would have had a material effect on the integrity of competition, particularly when, according to present evidence, the other coaches did not know the basis for those observations, end quote. Interesting word choice there from Michigan. According to present evidence, the other coaches did not know. Hmm. I've been around long enough, and I've read a lot of statements from teams, coaches, and players when they are accused of wrongdoing. I've read a lot of statements of how they try to clear their name. Usually, whether they know they're guilty or not, state some sort of strong denial. Usually use the words or the phrases categorically. False, unequivocally, deny. How many times have you seen that? Those allegations of me cheating, they are categorically false. We unequivocally deny any wrongdoing. Those are like lawyer buzzwords 101. You can't start a defense without using those words in some sort of statement as to why you are innocent and why the person that is claiming or the team or the league that is claiming you have some sort of wrongdoing, why they are actually in the wrong and you are in the right. Categorically false, unequivocally deny. Weird. I didn't hear either of those phrases from Michigan statement. Did you? The one I just read you? What Michigan said is, according to present evidence. Doesn't sound like a denial of wrongdoing to me there. That's Michigan telling you, right now, no one's found us guilty. I'm not saying... We didn't do anything wrong, but right now, no one's found us guilty. No one's found the smoking gun. There's no denial that a smoking gun exists. They just said, well, right now, no one's found it. So even the statement Michigan put out there to the Big Ten, pleading to wait on a possible punishment, is an admission of guilt, is an admission of of rules being broken is an admission of cheating. String it all together. Common sense has to prevail. And that is that Michigan cheated and should be punished for it. And the punishment, I don't think, is harsh enough for just suspending Jim Harbaugh. Whether it's for one game, whether it's for the rest of the regular season, whether it's for the rest of the year, including any bowl games, college role playoff appearances, I don't think that's enough. I think the punishment that fits the crime here for stealing signals, breaking two rules, and getting a massive advantage over your opponents is banning Michigan from the college football playoff this year. Only thing I see right. And so I'm curious your thoughts here. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Is a suspension of Jim Harbaugh harsh enough in your mind to have that punishment fit the crime? Or are you with me that, you know what? They should be banned from the college football playoff this year. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Add Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. 
We'll get your thoughts. Also, right now, it's still 10-3. Midway through the second quarter here in the uh, Thursday night game between the Panthers and Bears. Panthers are the ones up 10-3 right now over the Bears. Um, we'll keep you updated on that game. Also, when we return, I want to talk about some college football this upcoming Saturday. The worst spot to be in college football. Right now, it's where Penn State and Ole Miss are. I'll explain why when we return. It is Ryan Hickey with you on a Thursday. Right here, CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It sounds like and looks like Travis Kelsey is going to be hearing that song by Taylor Swift in person. He is going, I think it's to South America, it looks like. Argentina. This bye week as the Chiefs are on the bye to go watch his girlfriend Taylor Swift perform in Argentina. Not bad. Not a bad gig whatsoever. Like, I, you want to talk, people are saying, oh, is this fake? Is this a PR relationship? Taylor Swift's putting the time, going to the games, traveling to MetLife. She put up, think about this. You know how much you must love Travis Kelsey? She put up and went to a game to watch Zach Wilson throw the ball. Oh, you could have paid me to watch the Jets. They stink. They are tough to watch. She went out there and toughed it out. She's now best friends with Brittany Mahomes. I'm sorry. That's brutal. That is brutal. You must really love Travis Kelsey to put up with Brittany Mahomes and go watch Zach Wilson throw the football. And credit to Travis Kelsey now returning the favor. It's right relationships, as we know, are give and take. Now he's going down to see her and her turf-ish. Traveling, you know, visit to go see her and her tour. Argentina, let me tell you, man, even if this doesn't work out, and... Swift's track record kind of tells you it probably won't. But hey, whether this is a fling, whether they date for a few years and break up, or they get married. Travis Kelsey, man, you talk about living the life. Just to be around, probably in the offseason, travel around, maybe be a groupie or a roadie as Taylor Swift continues her international tour. Not a bad life to live, man. He is doing something right. Super Bowl rings, millions of dollars, and now traveling to other countries to watch your girlfriend perform. Could be a worse life. Could be a lot worse life than that, man. I ha, Travis Kelsey, again, good for you, man. Getting the, He's getting his money's worth. Again, this could end next week for all we know. Taylor Swift's dating history, not exactly the best. But damn it, even if it's short, it's going to be well-lived. Good for you, Travis, man. Keep living life. All right, it is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. We talked a lot about right now a potential punishment, rumors, reports out there that maybe Michigan uh, head coach Jim Harbaugh could be facing a potential suspension for his role in the cheating scandal right now for Michigan. I don't think, personally, that's enough of a punishment. I think Michigan should be banned from the college football playoff this year. I don't think suspending Jim Harbaugh, who's game day responsibilities are great enough to where you would actually feel his loss if he's not on the sideline. He's not calling plays. He's more the CEO. So I don't think his game day responsibility for those three hours in the game is played is that big of an impact if he's not there. So I don't think Michigan's actually that punished if Harbaugh is not on the sidelines. Which is why if you want to truly punish Michigan for cheating, you ban them from the college football playoff. 855-212-4227. If you disagree, I'd love to hear why. 855-212-4227. Add Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three in um, on Twitter. 
So in the NFL, right, we always say the worst spot to be is stuck in the middle. Really pro sports, the worst spot to be is stuck in the middle. Not good enough to win a championship. Not bad enough to get that franchise-changing player in the draft that could get you to that championship level. Winning in the NFL's case, seven, eight, nine games. NBA winning 40, 41, making the playoffs, but never actually being a threat in the playoffs, and thus picking in the middle of the draft and just getting an okay player, never an elite player. Stuck in the middle is the worst spot to be in pro sports. The worst spot to be in college sports? Right on that tier of greats. Not elite, though. Right there where you're consistently a top 10 team, where you win 10 games a year, but you're not great enough to win a national title, to break through, to make the college football playoff. And we're going to see that come to fruition, unfortunately, this weekend again, because I think two teams right now that are in the worst spot in college football, Penn State and Ole Miss. I don't think Penn State's beating Michigan on Saturday. I don't think Ole Miss is going between the hedges and beating Georgia. And so you have two top 10 teams that you could say, look how close we are. We're in the top 10. We we should have a chance on paper that when it comes to actually beating the elite teams, can't do it. And thus, when you can't do it, don't have a chance to actually be elite. And why I think that's worse than being... Three and nine every year, even six and six every year is, you are so close. You are so close. You could see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can touch the college football playoff for the most part. It's right there at finger, finger length's uh, reach, but you're actually nowhere close. You're good enough to get teased, but that tease just only breeds more heartbreak, more frustration, and there's no fix. If you're 6-6, six and six, you fire the coach. You bring someone else in, he brings some new energy, brings some new players in, and let's go turn it around. You're 3-9, and nine, something, you fire the coach, and let's build upwards. When you're 10-2 and two every year, but you can't beat the elite teams, there's no real way to, to get over that hump. Like, Ole Miss, if they lose to Georgia, and they go 10-2, and two, and they lose to Alabama and lose to Georgia. Ole Miss, again, for their history, right, they are usually not this consistent. So Lane Kiffin has got them somewhere where they could, again, hey, look, we're in the top 10. Look at us go. James Franklin has gotten Penn State in the top 10 now for the most part every year. But the issue is James Franklin and Lane Kiffin are the same coach. They have the same exact coach. Win consistently, can't win the big game. So they'll get you in the top 10. But when it comes to winning that big game against Alabama, when it comes to beating Ohio State, they can't do it. And the issue is when they win so much, you can't really find or you can't replace them. If Ole Miss fired Lane Kiffin tomorrow, if Penn State fired James Franco tomorrow, the first 10 guys on their list are unhirable. Because all those guys that are better head coaches are not leaving their current gigs. Nick Saban is not leaving Alabama. Kirby Smart, Ryan Day are not leaving their respective posts. Jim Harbaugh, my, that's under different circumstances. But it's like, when you're that great, but not elite, 
there's only a few head coaches you could hire that are a significant and drastic and definite upgrade. And those coaches are not attainable. So you're taking a risk of hiring a lower-level head coach or hiring a hot assistant and you hope can bare minimum keep the standard going of winning 10 or 11 games a year. And then on top of that, coach well enough, recruit well enough to get over the hump and beat the teams you can't beat. That is so hard to break through. It's so much easier said than done that for schools like Penn State and Ole Miss, it's like one of those where it's just like, you know what? You just got to this point, hope. Hope you get lucky and break through. Hope one one year things break your way and everything goes right and you can finally beat, you know, slay Goliath. But that's really hard to do. And that's why, again, it just breeds frustration because for those fan bases, again, I'm speaking to you as a Penn State alum and a Penn State fan. It is so frustrating to get your hopes up every year to think this is the year you break through to win 10 games, hear about how great you are, but then when it comes to the big game, Ohio State and Michigan, you can't win. And so even though the rankings will say, oh, well, you guys are so close. Look at you. You finished 7th last year. Like, there you are right there. You look at the, the win total beside your name. Oh, 10 wins. Look, one thing breaks your way. You're talking about 11 or 12 wins. You're in the college football playoff, no problem. But the, the gap, go from 10 to, or how to close the gap to get from 10 or 11 wins to go to 12. The gap to go from 7th in the rankings to 4th. It is Way higher than you think. And I think that's the hardest gap to close in college football. It's easy to go from three and nine to six and six to nine and three. Very easy. Hire a better coach, get some better players there, don't beat yourself, get a, a break of a schedule. You can drastically up your win total in a short amount of time. The hardest gap to close in college football is going from 10 wins to 11 wins. That right now is where Ole Miss is. That right now is where Penn State is. I think we're going to be reminded of that on Saturday when they have two big games. Again, on paper, these are two top 10 matchups. Number three, Michigan. Number 10, Penn State. Number two, Georgia. Number nine, Ole Miss. On paper, they should be, wow, that's two great games. Is anyone picking Ole Miss? Is anyone picking Penn State? The answer is no. And that just highlights right there, even though the rankings say they're close, the win totals and records say they're close, the gap is actually wider than you think, and it is so hard to close it. That's why I think in college football, being in that purgatory between good and great or great and elite is the worst spot to be in college football. Close enough to get the T's. Close enough to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Never, though, reach that light. And just like the definition of insanity... You can convince yourself year after year, this is the year. And I may be someone who does that and suckers myself in each and every year, each and every week to convince myself, hey, look, this is thing, things will be different. This is finally the year. I've been telling myself that really every year since 2016. Spoiler alert, every year since 2016, I have been disappointed. All right, speaking of disappointment, one team right now that is not disappointed. The Philadelphia 76ers. What a shock. You trade away James Harden. Now, all of a sudden, you're a better team. Addition by subtraction. 
The Sixers right now have already won the trade with the Clippers. They are in a much better spot without their superstar. I'll tell you why when we do return. Halftime. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Halftime in Chicago, 10-9. Panthers are leading a field goal fest. Three from the Bears, one from the Panthers. The only offense or the only touchdown we have was a 79-yard punt return from Amir Smith-Marset of the Panthers. Only touchdown we got, 10-9 right now. Panthers over the Bears. Halftime in Chicago. And how about this? I mean, talk about a response. Giannis, after getting ejected last night, which is ridiculous. But by the way, really fast on that, because I know everyone's talked about it today and everyone's hammered the referees, rightfully so. One of my biggest problems with that entire process of him slamming the ball down, giving a little look to the defender for like a half second, then moving off and going back to his regular business before the referees ejected him for that stare down after a massive dunk. The ejection, right, is egregious. Everyone said that. I'm not going to repeat what most people have said right here on CBS Sports Radio. I'm sure what you've heard throughout the day. But my biggest problem was, why are the referees running away? Like, if you want to have the stone, say, you know what? That's a technical, boom, second of the day, you're out of here. You then should have to face the music and talk to Giannis, which the referee did not do, and talk to, like, make an announcement. You know, they make the announcement uh, after a replay. They get a little, you know, that little camera right there, and it's, after review, the ball touched out on, on Milwaukee. It's now Detroit ball. Make an announcement as to why you ejected him. Give Giannis, as well as the fans and the audience watching, your rationale as to why you ejected that player. I don't need a poor report after the game or a press conference. Just get on the mic and say, I ejected Giannis because I thought his stare down was disrespectful and went for too long. That's it. I'm not buying it. I think it's ridiculous. I think you're making it about yourself and being overzealous. But I think Giannis deserves to hear the explanation as to what he did wrong. The fans on the broadcasters and the fans in the arena and us on TV deserve to learn what you were thinking. Just tell us what you were thinking. We shouldn't have to guess and say, well, geez, why? what did he do? He stared him down for a half second and that's it. Give us your explanation. I think we as fans are owed that. And I think Giannis and any NBA player ejected questionably deserves that explanation as well. That was my biggest problem. Ejection, egregious, obvious. But after the ejection, to walk away, to turn your back, to have another referee come over and try to intercept Giannis from chasing you down after making a horrific call, you made the call, man. Stand by it. Don't blow your whistle Give Giannis the T, throw him out of the game, and then run away in the corner. Stand by it. Stand by your guns. You made the call. Explain it to everyone. That, to me, was the worst part. Now, Giannis tonight, not ejected. Now, they lost to the Bucks, lost to the Pacers, 126-124. Giannis, though, 54 points. 19 to 25 from the field, incredible. 16 of 18 from the line, so it's improved his free throw struggles. I mean, great individual performance, didn't lead to a win. But at least bounced back and played a full game. So at least the refs didn't eject him two nights in a row. Bucks get the loss. Giannis, though, gets the glory in the sense of having a great 54 point game. All right, games at halftime, but as a reminder, Bears, Panthers, stream the NFL on Westwood One for free, sponsored by AutoZone. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL, 
live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging is available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone, of course. Restrictions do apply. We talked a lot about college football here in this hour and talking a lot about Michigan and their future. It appears that the Big Ten, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, at some point soon, it is believed we are going to get a ruling and a decision of if a punishment will be made on Michigan and what that punishment will look like from the Big Ten here relatively soon. And there are reports out there that that punishment could range from a fine of Michigan, the Michigan program, a suspension of Jim Harbaugh, everything in between. I don't think a suspension of Jim Harbaugh, whether it's for one game or the rest of the season, is enough. I don't think that punishment fits the crime. I think the punishment that is justified for Michigan for cheating is being banned from the college football playoff. That, to me, is the punishment that should be handed down to the Wolverines. That, to me, is the punishment that what what they've done, cheating, stealing signs... That, to me, is the only punishment banning them from competing for an, from a national championship this year. That, to me, is enough of a punishment to warrant the infractions they committed and the rules they broke by cheating. 855-212-4227. Is that too harsh of a punishment? Is a Jim Harbaugh suspension enough in your mind to justify right now and make all well in the world? Right now, compared to what Michigan is being alleged of doing, which is cheating. Ted is calling from Florida. What's up, Ted? What's up, Higgy? How are we doing, man? Uh, I'm good, man. Look, so I got two different points, but I'll start with what's on topic. When you're talking about hardball. Listen, you know just as well as I do, the NCAA is not going to ruin this season for those guys that are playing for Michigan. They're going to either suspend hardball or they're going to give them sanctions years to come. Can I say one thing really fast here, Ted, about ruining this season? Because that's part of the reason why I think a, a college world playoff ban is needed. The word, How I think this season is ruined is by playing it out, letting Michigan win the national title, and then next year, two years, three years from now, finally concluding their investigation and then vacating the title. And having okay, this, I get, what's been a great okay, season okay. of college football, having no, we have no winner, no end. No, I totally get that. But those kids that are playing right now, they didn't they didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? So why punish them for a bad mistake by the coaching staff or whatever is stallions, you know, it's not their fault. But why punish then the kids on other programs that are left out of the college football playoff or have lost to Michigan, had their college football playoff hopes ruined because of that loss to Michigan when in fact they are cheating? And why this year when Michigan has been cheating this season, why leave out whoever, you know, number five, Washington, Oregon, Florida State? Like, that's a team that is college football playoff worthy. Why then take a spot away from them and give it to Michigan who's been cheating? Aren't those kids Okay, I totally agree. I agree. Washington should be there. FSU doesn't deserve to be there. But other people need to be there. But they're not going to lose it just for that reason. You know how the NCAA works. They're not going to do something in season. They're going to do it after the fact. That, that, to me, Ted, is the worst-case scenario. Like, again, well, like that's, whatever that's suspension or whatever punishment 
that the Big Ten wants to hand down in this, and I appreciate the call, man. This seems like that's where that road is going down. It's going to be up to the Big Ten to handle any sort of discipline. Whether it's a suspension of Jim Harbaugh, whether it's banning from the college world playoff, whether it's a fine, I think all of those pale into comparison to the worst case being we sitting here, us sitting here, to be grammatically correct, in a few years, talking about a 2023 national championship for Michigan vacated and robbing Georgia of a three-peat, Washington of winning the national title, Oregon from winning the national title. I don't think Florida State is very good, but robbing Florida State of their first national title since 2014. And having this season, which has been one of the best seasons in my lifetime of being almost 30 years old, this has been one of the most fun and open seasons I can remember in college football. Worst case scenario this year is having everything we watch be nullified, be vacated because of the NCAA years down the road coming back, finally uh, finishing their investigation and concluding Michigan cheated and wiping away basically this entire year by vacating their national title. That's the reason why I think the Big Ten should be proactive and say, you know what? You cheated. You ain't competing for a title this year. We are not having this season lost by allowing a team to cheat and win a championship. All right, really quick here to finish on the NBA. Sixers, big one of the Celtics last night. Six and one, best record in the East. Coincidence? I think not. You want to know why the Sixers are playing really good basketball right now? It's because there's no James Harden. They're having fun. Their offense is in a rhythm. Tyrese Maxey, with an opportunity, is playing really well and proving himself. This team is having a lot of fun and gelling because there's no diva on the roster to placate. There's no one you got to acquiesce to. There's no one you got to walk on eggshells with and watch what you say because, God forbid, James Harden gets offended by what you say and with how his mood changed daily, could quit the team tomorrow. This team, in trading James Harden, got better purely by subtraction. Addition by subtraction. Getting rid of Harden has now made the Sixers better and I think made the Clippers worse. James Harden contributes nothing to winning. He's a selfish player. He's a defensive liability. He's a quitter. He brings nothing, I think, of value to really any NBA team, but especially one trying to win a title. And don't just take my word for it. Brian Windhorst, pretty well-respected NBA insider, was on NBA Today and ESPN, and he echoed a very similar sentiment. As the kids say, the vibes are immaculate. Joel is happy. I don't know. If people were all worried what was going to happen with Harden, Joel is happy. Yeah. Maxie's playing good. Nick Nurse has everybody feeling good in their roles. They've got depth perk. They've got trade assets later on. They're feeling good. Nobody would have predicted this a month ago when they were out in Colorado and nobody knew whether Harden was going to show up or going to play. Look where they are now. Yeah, they'll have some more adversity. Yeah, they may have to tweak this roster a little bit, but they are exactly where they could, where they would uh, want to be. No team in sports gets better when they trade away a superstar player and get nothing back. Right now, you're not trading a superstar for a superstar. You are trading a superstar and getting scraps back. No team gets better unless the superstar being traded is James Harden. 
I advocated a month ago when this when these shenanigans first started and James Harden's going on his China tour about how Daryl Moore's a liar and then is, you know, dodging training camp when it's back here in the States. I said that the Sixers should have cut him. Get nothing back, cut him. And you will be better off for it. To their credit, they got enough of a trade package, enough parts, and enough financial flexibility to have options going forward in trades and have pieces to trade. But you it's not a coincidence. Right now that the Sixers are playing good basketball, it's because James Harden, the dead weight, is gone. And that's also why as soon as the, the Clippers got him, I lowered the Clippers' chance to get a title. I think there's no chance they're winning a championship as long as James Harden's there because he contributes nothing to winning. Good for the Sixers. You made the right move. And now, not a coincidence, you're playing the best basketball of the season. That'll do it. For this edition of the show, a big thank you to Jack Stern producing the show. Don't go anywhere. JR Sport Brief is up next. If you missed any part of the show, great news, check out the Hick at Night podcast. Night spelled N-I-T-E. Get all caught up from yours truly right here on CBS Sports Radio. 10-9, Panthers over the Bears, second half just starting. Have a great rest of your Thursday. I'll talk to you Saturday morning. It's been Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.